Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Realcom Live. We are so glad to have you with us. Uh, we're going to be talking about the gray resignation and the impact it has on space. And we've got uh, three phenomenal guests, uh, all who've got very specific um, experience that's going to that can help us unpack this topic. Talia Fine, SVP of Information Technology, Tanger Outlets. David Gasick, President, Gasick Consulting. And Amy St. Dennis, Principal of Devana Partners. Hey, everybody. How are you? Great. So we have an interesting um, topic, uh, one that we've really never seen before. Uh, we're reading about it in the newspapers, and we're hearing about it on news stories, uh, this thing called the Great Resignation. And it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. It can be um, young people, it can be single moms, it can be moms in general, uh, it can be people who don't want to go back to the office because of commutes. But in any event, it's going to impact um, the uh, the real estate industry to some extent. So why don't we start with David? David, if you give a little background of yourself, and then also um, uh, you're going to reference an article you wrote for us last week, get us started, and then we'll go to Amy and Talia and then um, get this conversation started. Great. Thanks, Jim. Well, um, I'm an organizational advisor and strategist to CEOs and their leadership teams. Uh, we work on issues that involve company vision and values, organizational structure, people, process, and culture. My role is to help leaders diagnose underlying problems, design a tailored process to address them, and deliver customized solutions that get the results they want. I bring uh, a sort of boots on the ground perspective because uh, I come from a real estate industry where uh, over the course of about 30 years, I was a developer, public agency director and consultant with regional, national and global companies and organizations. Um, should I jump in to summarize the article now? Yep, that'd be great. So Jim is referencing an article that Realcom published of mine last week on the great resignation and the impact on real estate organ organizations or real estate occupancy. And the article looks at the great resignation through the lens of shifting priorities of the workforce and what that means for real estate and organizational strategies of companies. We all know that resignations have been building for years. They accelerated with the pandemic and surveys have shown that well over half the workforce was looking for new opportunities this year and was willing to quit without a job. I, I talk about how the great resignation has morphed into the great reset of employee attitudes and expectations from a more compensation focused mindset to a more experience focused one. Employees want to learn and grow, have a sense of belonging and share values with their leaders. But these needs have largely gone unaddressed and that's what's fueling the great resignation. The pandemic proved that working from home works and it uprooted the office as the centerpiece of work identity. What I mean is it collapsed the boundaries between leaders and teams, work and home, and work time and personal time, creating a paradigm shift in how we think about work. Employees want assurances that align with their experience-focused mindset, and they want more say in defining work patterns to support their well-being. That includes options to work at home or closer to home, offices that, prior that prioritize health hygiene, more adaptable work times, workplaces that accommodate different work styles, and even the choice to live in less expensive areas. Companies are responding. 
with changes to their real estate strategies. Centralized office hubs are including more suburban spokes. Space planning is incorporating more shared space versus one desk, one person, uh, one office per person. And fixed cost long-term leases are being augmented with variable cost shorter term leases for co-working flex space to accommodate variability in staffing and where people work. So hybrid solutions, workplace solutions are the future, but the staying power of the great resignation means that varying the workplace alone won't give employees enough reason to stay. I think the message of the article is that leaders must also engage with their employees to better understand what motivates them, what they need to be successful, and then make meaningful changes to their organization and culture that align with an experience-focused mindset. Making that effort along with workplace changes are what will increase retention and what will bring greater stability to the workforce and the workplace. All, all really great points, David. And again, when I, I read the millions of articles that are being written about this, um, there is no one size fits all to describe what's going on. It's, 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 it's multiple number of different variables. And, and your article brought up uh, a number of those points. Um, Amy, going to you, you're in the middle of executive recruitment in this industry and you, you are literally in, on the front lines of the conversations and you know this industry very well. And, you know, we build buildings, you know, Henry Ford gave us a, a vehicle to go from our house to buildings all day long. This thing called the internet and communications comes along and kind of upsets that. And then the pandemic kind of did force us all to do this two year work from home experiment. What are you seeing, you know, with the real estate owner and operators you're dealing with as they're trying to understand and deal with this great resignation? Thanks for that, Jim. And David, that was a fantastic article. Thanks for sharing that. I really, I really got a lot out of that. Thank you. you know, Jim, I think that there are some differences in product type. I think that, you know, we're seeing uh, probably the biggest kind of reassessment happening on the office side because that's an area where people, you know, we're obviously going to see some changes and there's just less people in the office than there were at the, before the pandemic. Comparatively, industrial is, is on fire. You know, there's an estimate that we're a billion square feet short of where we need to be to have the supply chain really working at full force. So that side of the industry is, is super busy. Um, and the retail side, I think that we've seen a lot of increase in retail, especially on the, you know, the grocery side and the regional mall side over the last few months. And I think the apartment companies have a huge opportunity right now to uh, provide the kind of services that people need to work for work from home. So I, I guess it, I would say it really just depends on what part, uh, what sector, what what asset class we're looking at. All right, yeah, and and the and obviously is we're seeing industrial because of supply chain, like you said, is doing great. Talia is going to give us an update on retail, which is doing well. Seems to be office uh, is the main area, but for so many people in their careers, an office has always played a significant role. And, and and now that we're seeing, you know, pre, pre-pandemic, we had utilization rates of about 35 to 40%. During the pandemic, New York City was experiencing, you know, five to 10% utilization rates. And, and now as we're trying to get back in the office, the real question is, what's that utilization rate going to be? You know, and then if, what's, if based on that utilization rate, how's that gonna impact demand? How's that gonna impact leasing? 
leasing rates, renewing uh, leases, and uh, an awful lot of unknowns um, uh, in the industry. Uh, Talia, why don't you give us a little overview of the retail side of the conversation? Sure. First of all, thank you for having me, Jim. Always a pleasure to be part of uh, RealCom. Uh, our pleasure. And in any way possible. So just a quick overview of Tanger for those of you for those of you who are not familiar, um, Tanger has properties in about 20 states and in Canada, um, about 13.6 million square feet, over 2,500 stores and uh, 500 different brand names. So we have different luxury brands such as Armani and Hugo Boss, um, Tory Burch, contemporary brands and the like. Um, within the retail industry specifically, I think we're in a unique um, point and we're really seeing our metrics uh, continue to improve. So if we look at things like rents, rents specifically, we've continued to see a positive momentum. Um, our spreads have improved each quarter this year and we believe that the continued improvement we're seeing in traffic and sales are, are going to actually help us sustain this trend. Um, when we look at foot traffic, the foot traffic that we're seeing is really um, above pre-pandemic pre level or return to pre-pandemic level. Um, and we're also looking at uh, we're also looking at um, tenant sales, which have accelerated this quarter to an all all time high for about four hundred forty eight dollars um, for us. So we're really seeing great trends. I think it's part of our um, strategic uh, goals that we've put in place. Also part of the fact that we're in the retail industry, um, and I think that that's been really positive for us. So we're we're, we're telling a good story. And I think the other piece of it, which I'd like to just touch on is, you know, we've talked a little bit about returning to the workforce and how that's impacting people. Tanger has done a phenomenal job at hiring talent um, where, where, wherever they are, right? So we're are in our DNA and at our core, we're looking to hire the best talent wherever they may be. Um, we recently had a uh, promoted our COO, Leslie Swanson. She's based in Texas. Um, we hired a chief commercial officer. Uh, if you see our press release a few weeks ago, he's based in New York. I myself am based in New York, and we've really done a great job of embracing the new kind of remote workforce and what it means for us specifically. So I think that's also drawn people um, to Tanger and helped continue um, telling our positive story. So, so it is a really good news to hear that your tra foot traffic is up and sales are up. We talked about a little bit early on, that, you know, that it, there's all this pent up demand and, and you're seeing it. But we're also hearing the stories of the great resignation impacting retail um, uh, ability to, you know, serve clients, right? That, that restaurants and retail outlets are losing employees, having trouble retaining them. And yet you said, again, when we were chatting was that they're, they seem to be getting the job done. Does, yes. does that mean that the workforce in place is just doing overtime? Any speculation on how they're getting it? You know, we hear one story on one side that says they're short resources, but you're showing great numbers. How do we reconcile that? We are showing great numbers. It, it, it is kind of hard to reconcile. I don't know. I don't know firsthand if they're, you know, putting in longer hours or, or they're not actually uh, short staff, but the numbers that we're seeing are really showing that trends are continuing to continuing to improve, at least from a retail perspective. And so that's that's positive, positive news for us, but also positive news for the industry as a whole. Okay, well, what we'll do is um, we're gonna take a, we're gonna take a uh, brief break here from one of our sponsors, and then uh, we're gonna come back and continue this great conversation. All right, um, so one of the questions is that the real estate people are, are asking me and I'm hearing is, you know, what is the next, Thing that's going to happen 
that will give us an idea uh, of the impact of this great resignation. And, and as I mentioned earlier, they keep coming back to the idea of the least <clears throat> rules, okay? Because that's when people will start making their moves. Um, let me start with David. David, any idea on when we can see um, more details, specific details on this great resignation? Are people just upgrading their jobs? Are we truly losing folks? Who are we losing? Will they ever come back? When do you think we're gonna see some clarity on the great resignation? Uh, so the real estate uh, world, you know, specifically the office, can start understanding what the long-term impacts are. Well, you know, it's a, it's a crystal ball thing to, some, to a great extent, right? I think that um, uh, you have to really look at um, all the different reasons people are leaving. And there's so much written about it, so many surveys. <clears throat> I think it boils down to the fact that people have options. There's a lot of reshuffling going on. Um, and people want more out of their work. Um, I think we talked about it briefly before the call. Um, people want to see great, the pandemic gave them a chance to really look at what it, why are they working? What are they getting out of it? Wanting greater purpose, I think is not just a, is not just a phrase. It really is, um, something that is driving the great resignation and they, people want to see how their work connects to the values of the company. They're not just looking for a paycheck anymore. And so leaders, when, when leaders begin to make the connection between the values of the employee work, the employee's work and the purpose of the company, so employees start to get and see more meaning and pride in what they're doing, um, then their work becomes a craft and their work becomes a craft in service of a mutually shared purpose with the company. And I think ultimately that's what people are looking for. And so leaders, as they provide a forum uh, where they listen to their employees and uh, they find out what they're looking for and uh, what will make a difference in their level of engagement and commitment, that is what's going to start to turn around the great resignation. And essentially, I'm talking about giving employees a voice, a greater voice, a feeling of inclusion in the decision making of the organization. Um, basically, when leaders start to put as much effort into retention as they are in recruitment, right. I think we're gonna to start to see a turnaround in the great resignation. Right, yep, and in the real estate industry, especially in the real estate tech industry, we have to compete with other you know, general tech companies. So it makes our industry um, even harder because we, we, we pull from a smaller pool. So we've been talking about retention at Realcom and Ibicon for as long as the conference has been going on. Uh, and Amy, I think you're somewhat of an expert on that. Um, Amy, we were having a good conversation earlier about uh, moms and dealing with schools and COVID. Um, you may want to repeat that for the audience because I think that's another segment of this great resignation or the hesitancy to, to go back into the office. Can you share with the audience that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I wanted to say up front, I think that real estate as an organization, real estate organizations are kind of part of financial services overall. And if you look at the numbers, I mean, technology is the area where people are changing the, the most. Financial services as an industry is, is actually not that high. I mean, it's a little bit lower. So I think we have th some things to be thankful for. But on the other hand, you know, I was just saying as an individual, 
most of my friends who have kids under 12 who are in professional roles have had to stay out of the workforce because the school situation has been so tenuous over the course of the last two years. Right. So if a school, if a child is exposed to coronavirus, they have to stay out for 14 days or 10 you know, school days, 14 days total. Now they're saying, well, if we can get them tested every day, they can come back as soon as they test negative. But in this country, we don't have enough tests to do that right now for every school child every day of the school year. So that's gonna be a, a struggle. And I think for a lot of moms, they've just had to make the decision that you know they have to stay out until this situation is, is resolved. So I think that, that moms in general certainly are a big part of this. And that's at every level of the economy from entry level all the way up to you know, top leadership. Right, and, and if you think about it, if you watch the, the major corporations push the back to work dates, I mean, it, originally it was you know, summer and then it was, well, let's get through 4th of July and that was 2020. And then we went through that whole cycle again in 2021. And here it is 2022 and now we got this great resignation hanging over us that is covid related but has other attributes as well and and i at the end of the day i think it's pretty safe to say the business models have shifted now the big question is will they boomerang back to what we're used to or are they forever changed um talia what do you i mean i know you're in retail and you don't deal as much with the, the pressures of the office world but you know, from your vantage point of seeing people, you know, boomerang back into the malls and wanting to shop, do you think we go back to 2019 or are we forever changed? I, I, I think we're actually forever changed. So um, I mentioned earlier a little bit about Tanger hiring um, individuals in different remote areas. Uh, we've also recently gone through an exercise we, where we looked at roles and determined, you know, which role could work remotely, which could be hybrid, which 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 needs to be, which role needs to be in the office, right? I think that's part of what we've done purposefully to, to maintain and draw key talent, but it's it's going to be very hard for individuals to go back to pre-pandemic. And I, I personally don't think that we'll be able to ever go back. I think we've, I did at the beginning, at this point, I think that we've really changed the way we're working forever. Right, well, and, and, and again, we talk pandemic, we talk all these other issues, but two hour commutes, you know, 10 hours a day or a week, I should say, you know, used in more productive, flexible environments, getting kids to school, you know, being more involved, that 10 hours is just wasteful. And, and, and I, as a result, I think you're going to see real estate portfolios morph a little bit. We talked earlier about corporations and some companies are purchasing ranches and farms and ski lodges to allow teams the flexibility of you know, moving around, work from home here, come into this office a couple of days a week. But when you got team projects, you can all head to the, to the ranch. Are any of you hearing those stories um, starting to develop? Yes, I've certainly seen a move with that. I have several real estate development groups that are buying properties where they can have a more um, kind of customized experience where people are a little bit more open and and aren't necessarily just in a traditional you know 20 story office building in the central business district i think i've seen also a lot of companies start to look at suburban locations instead of you know downtown central business locations and i think for a lot of the same reasons coming from colorado which is a, a state you know it's a lifestyle state i've always had people who don't want to drive from one submarket to another because that and it's not too, it could be 45 minutes, but they still have some attitude about that. So 
that's always been kind of something we've seen. And I've seen, uh, we've just taken on several searches with, with private equity firms that are buying B and C suburban properties for you know value add with the understanding that those are gonna be kind of the next big location. Yep. So I think it's really happening. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think, and I think with the added uh, problems of the major central business districts with, with crime and social unrest and all the things we're seeing on the news, I think those, it's funny, we're going back to the suburbs. I mean, how many times I'm gonna go through this cycle in my career uh, and I think that the central business districts, which are now being the new buzzword I'm hearing is BBD, better business district, which is exactly what you just described. But I think um, it's going to be five to seven years before this cycle could take the flesh itself out and get back. You know, so I think, you know, flight to the suburbs, flight to non-traditional types of real estate, more work from home. Uh, it's, it's all going to contribute to uh, trying to figure out what your portfolio looks like. Um, Jim, all right. Yes, David. Yeah, just to add to that, um, you know, jo Jones Lang LaSalle has been projecting that by 2030, 30% of all office space will be co-working and flex. And uh, to underscore why that makes sense is that 50% of lease transactions are for companies with 50 people or less or who need 5,000 square feet or less. Yep. And that happens to be the sweet spot, <clears throat> excuse me, for co-working Flex. Nobody's talking about that. Everybody's focusing on the big leases, the big companies, which, believe it or not, are a small percentage of overall leasing activity. And you just nailed it. It's and so if building, if building owners want to compete for half the market, the active office market, they have to provide flex or co-working space or they have to do it through third parties. Right. Right. And, and that whole WeWork model, which is coming out of you know, its, its transformation after the Adam Newman era. Uh, they've got some interesting new things that, that we're going to have multiple episodes next year on what the workplace looks like, immersive experiences, integrating online and physical. It's a whole new world. It's a whole new multiple billion dollar industries are about to be born uh, out of all this. So we got uh, just a minute or two left, 30 seconds each. We'll start with Talia. What advice do you give to a real estate portfolio owner, operator, developer as it relates to taking in everything we're learning in the last two years, uh, but focus on the great resignation. What advice do you give them going forward on what their real estate portfolio should look like? I think that the word that David just used is key. And that's, that's exactly what I wanted to hone in on flexibility, right? So I don't think that everybody's going to go off and work from home forever permanently. I think there does need to be some interaction. Some people thrive on that. Um, your comment about WeWork earlier, we have, you know, I'm in a WeWork space now, actually, um, and it provides a lot of flexibility to people. And I think that's-, that's and Look at the branding behind you. Brilliant, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the key, right? So if a mom needs to stay home from, for a day, um, she can. If you want to be in the office, you can. I think it's that flexibility that's gonna really drive people um, to go to a company and stay, to, stay with a company. I think the key to all this is the random collisions that take place in a work environment where some of those yeah. most, you know, crazy, creative, innovative ideas pop out, you know, the walk to the coffee room, the lunch table, the unplanned things. I think that's where the online world has to work hard. Uh, and then and in, in this hybrid world, when two people would have normally collided with each other, but now one's in on Friday and the other's on Wednesday, that collision doesn't happen. So, so being together is important yes, and, and, and it's, it's up to all of us to figure out what that blend looks like. Yeah. 
Amy, you want to finish us up? What advice do you give? Yeah, Talia, I totally agree with flexibility. You know, I think that people need to understand. I also think it's important as an industry that we recognize that since the, the great downturn in 2008, you know, real estate salaries, compensation has been very flat. So for 13 years, compensation has been relatively flat. I mean, not even cost of living, you know, wow. growth. So at this point, and in, in, in all that time, productivity increased, and, and that was across the board. So now we're looking at an employee base who has been through a traumatic experience and said, wait a minute, why am I doing this? Am I living to work or working to live? So I think this is a time when they need greater flexibility. They need greater responsiveness to compensation. You know, we need to be benchmarking a lot more often. I don't know that once a year is going to do it for a while because it's changing so quickly. You, you gave me an idea for a whole episode with the data and the stats that you have dealing with recruitment in this industry. Let's go offline and talk about a full episode just on what tea leaves you bring to the table with the data you've got in your possession because salary and compensation is a good indicator of the future. It really That'd is. Be my pleasure. Awesome. Well, we are unfortunately out of time, everybody. Thank you so, so much. I know we're getting close to the holidays and we're squeezing this in, but uh, uh, your insight is invaluable. And I really do say thank you for taking the time and being with us today. Thanks so much, Jim. You have a great holiday season. You too. You too. Be well. Bye. All right. With that, let's bring on Lisa, who's covering for Howard today uh, with the news. And Lisa is going to bring us up to speed on what is happening in real estate technology news. And then I'll come back and wrap the show. Thanks, Lise. Thanks, Jim. That was a great conversation. Um, so you know that every week we send out our weekly briefing newsletter on the top stories touching commercial and corporate real estate technology. And in this news segment of RealCom Live, we highlight a few of those articles that we think are especially relevant and interesting. So our lead article this week is about 303 Battery in Seattle, which is the world's first net zero energy high rise apartment building. If you attended the RealCom IvyCon conference in Scottsdale last month, you probably heard us talk about this project. We even awarded 303 Battery a Digi Award for Most Intelligent Multifamily Residential Building. The reason this project is so unusual and why it won the Digi Award is not just that it's the first net zero energy residential building, but also that it's a prefabricated modular high rise tower that's being built and assembled like this huge Lego set. The developer is Sustainable Living Innovations, SLI, and they have created a panelized building system where all of the major parts of the building are manufactured off-site. Each panel, and there are roughly about 900 of them in this building, has a particular function and purpose. So if you crack open one of the panels, what you would see is electrical wiring, plumbing, and mechanical equipment, as well as fiber optic cables. There's less on-site construction work required, so the tower will go up more quickly than a conventionally built building. In fact, they can construct about two floors in a single day. The article is pretty detailed and goes through all of the innovative design features of the project, and there are a lot of them. So if you want to read more about it, grab the newsletter from yesterday, and it's also posted on our website. The next article we're featuring this week is about the open office plan. In a focused series of articles covering trends in tenant and workplace experience, privacy is making a comeback. If you'll remember, companies at one time were doing away with private offices for employees and even deleting partitions because they wanted to encourage their workers to collaborate and engage with one another. And it also saved the owners money on the space. But the problem is that no one really liked it. 70% of workers complained about the open work environment. 
So now as landlords, and we just had this conversation with, um, with Amy, as landlords jump through all sorts of hoops to draw tenants back into the, into the office, privacy is in renewed demand. The article talks about a new company called Room that provides modular office furnishings, many of them designed with interior phone booths and privacy pods that can be moved around where they make the most sense. These are places where somebody can make a personal phone call or enables the sort of work that demands particular levels of concentration. So it appears that freestanding individual work pods are in and the foosball and keg office environment from a few years ago is out. So this is really an interesting read. So check it out when you have a chance. Also in the news this week, a look at high performance smart buildings in the cannabis market. The rise of new cannabis products across the country is prompting extraordinary innovation to keep pace with the growing demand. And since energy is 25% of operating costs, a high performance building is of critical importance. Also, JLL aligns with HQO on a new workplace experience and tenant engagement initiative. And finally, in Israel, robots are building smart homes. So there are several other interesting technology articles in this week's newsletter, in addition to the ones I just mentioned. So take a look in your inbox when you have a chance or go to the website and click on the news link to access all of these articles. And that's it for me, Jim. I will turn it back over to you. You, you know, Lisa, I'll tell you, um, the real estate industry, you know, 30 year debt payments and long construction times has traditionally not liked change. I have not seen as much change in the last, I've seen more change in the last two years than I have in the last 25. Right. And, you know, just listening to those news stories, I mean, those are significant things going on. Getting rid of, you know, open offices and kegs, uh, you know, uh, low, low um, voltage buildings that can be can assembled like uh, rector sets. Um, these are big, big, big movements and um, oh, really? they're not, they're not going away. They're not no, away. no, they are. There's some pretty extraordinary things going on and uh, and happening at a very rapid pace. Very so, rapid. Yep. Really. So thank you for a great job for covering for Howard. As I always say, you better watch out. Yeah. You're coming after him because you do such a good job. <laughs> thank you for having me. All right. Be well. Okay. So before we wrap the show, let's hear from our uh, final sponsor, and I will be right back and give you an idea of what's going on uh, in the next week and two, week or two. All right. Well, um, this will be the last live episode you will see from us in 2021. We are taking a little hiatus for the next couple of weeks, and, and I know a lot of the industry as well. And we're encouraging folks to take the time over the holidays, you know, get some rest, spend some time with family, be safe, be careful. But uh, but to come back to the new year, uh, rent it renewed and and ready to go. So what we're encouraging you all to do, you'll be getting some email notices about it, is to watch the last year. We've got episodes, uh, over 50 uh, episodes now of some of the best topics, the best folks in the industry, all sitting up on that YouTube library from AI's impact on the real estate industry to low voltage buildings like we just talked about. And uh, we've got, also got all the footage from our event uh, in Scottsdale. I think we had about 25, 30 episodes from that. So uh, good holiday reading. We got those also available as podcasts. So we hope you do that. And then when we do come back after the first of the year, January 7th, we got CARS Indoor Air Quality Program, just absolutely making um, uh, great strides and setting new standards in indoor air quality inside buildings with Aaron Altser. Uh, and so uh, with that, we say uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, great holidays. And we hope uh, you have a restful and exciting um, holiday season with family and friends. 
and we will see you after the first of the year. Uh, so with that, I say farewell. See you in 2022. Be well.